When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. I have been watching this pattern in a lot of my reading about Congress over the last two years. You see it in the write-up about John Boehner, where the leadership, there's movement among members of Congress, often bipartisan movement among members of Congress, and the leadership kills it. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We're very excited that in our main segment today, we are going to be talking with the leaders of an effort to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment in Virginia. Before that, we'll get into some news, just a few things going on in the world. It wasn't <laughs> hard at all to decide what to talk about today. Oof, so much. Before we get started, we wanted to share that we're about to record our bonus episodes for our patrons. If you're interested in becoming a patron of Pantsuit Politics for a small monthly donation, you will get an additional bonus episode. This month, the bonus episode on Pantsuit Politics is going to be an extended conversation of the dream and multi-level marketing for anybody who's listening along with that podcast. We did a little sneak peek on IGTV, and we're going to extend that conversation in the bonus episode. And then on the Nuance Life's bonus episode, we made a little editorial change. We're going to be talking about 
family units and individuals and different parenting styles where the individual is the primary concern and where the family unit is the primary concern. Not surprising anyone. I have some very strong thoughts about this. So that's what we're going to be talking about in both our bonus episodes if you're interested in becoming a patron of Pantsy Politics or The Nuanced Life. We should start today, I think, with the Oval Office meeting between the Democratic Party leaders, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and the president. I thought you were going to say Nancy Pelosi's coat. I'm also okay with starting there, if you'd like. It was a beautiful coat. And the dress was really cute, too. And at first I was like, I'm being so shallow because that was the first thing I noticed and really loved. And then the internet seems to also be obsessed with the coat. So I feel much less shallow and good about my observation that she was rocking it with that coat and that dress. Just saying. Well, here's my shallow observation about the meeting, since we're going to start there. Lots of pictures floating around of Mike Pence sitting silently in this meeting with Mm -hmm. his eyes closed. And my thought was, what a perfect visual representation of what many Republican Party leaders have been doing for the past two years. Just sitting with their eyes closed, hoping that it doesn't get worse. Yep. And failing to jump in and stop what is really a mess. And this meeting was really a mess. We have the important issue of whether we're going to keep the government open. And I have stressed a couple of times that Congress did some good work this year in actually passing budget resolutions. So we aren't in the dire situation that we sometimes are about funding the government. But we got an email from friend of the podcast, Middle East correspondent Gary Anderson. And she made the excellent point Mm -hmm. that it's almost worse Because this shutdown would entirely put the burden on government employees. When the rest of the nation doesn't have a stake in it, the political theater of it is even worse. Yep. The interesting visual representation with particularly with regards to the shutdown there's a picture it was on the new york times where nancy's like leaning forward she's got her hands up and trump's kind of at her mike pence is asleep or something and Chuck Schumer has this Cheshire cat grin on his face. And I'm sure it is the moment that Donald Trump said, I'd be proud to shut down the government. You could almost hear him be like, okay, meeting's over. Everybody get that? Okay, we got that? All right, turn the cameras off. Let's go home. Like you could you could feel like his all but glee at the president being willing to own, which is a terrible shutdown, which will be perceived terribly, which will put the burden on these government workers. You could just see his kind of like, y'all want, you want to own it? Okay, great. I feel like he's even said at some moment like, Okay, good. Okay, good. We're all agreed. You own this one. Bye-bye, everybody. There's been lots of analysis of this meeting. For me, the real story here is one of gender dynamics. Mm-hmm. Because there's not new information in the fact that the president is not keen on details. Word. That's such a kind way to put that. <laughs> <laughs> that just saying something over and over again doesn't make it true. You know, like the president was who he always is. But I thought the interesting part was Nancy Pelosi handling this conversation in an entirely different way than Chuck Schumer did. And the press coverage of it, given the entirely, I think, distinct ways the two of them behaved. I immediately got on Instagram stories and was like, was this supposed to be a campaign commercial for Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House? Because she went in there and I thought handled it so well. I mean, I feel like the A-plus star moment of the entire interaction was when she said, please don't categorize the strength I bring to this meeting. The presence of mind. I mean, she has a lot of practice. This woman has been doing this for a very long time. But even for someone who is so well-versed in the dynamics of Washington, to be able to go into a meeting with 
our president, who throws all of the rules of traditional Washington out of the window, which I know is what some people like about him. Look, she's shown that she can thrive under pressure, I think, with this whole leadership thing, the way she's handled this and has been, I think, a masterclass in political negotiations personally. And I just think it's been so well. And to go in there in the midst of all that and to handle that meeting and to be sort of caught off guard with the camera staying the way they did, I just, I thought she handled herself amazingly well. I'm not really surprised in the difference in the way Schumer handled himself. I think Schumer sees, I'm not mad at him. I just think that he did what he always does, especially he he thinks him and Trump have some sort of shared approach, shared buddy-buddy New Yorker thing, which maybe they do. And so I kind of wasn't surprised at the way he handled it differently, but I just thought she was a dang Zen master in that meeting. I thought she was too, and I was frustrated for her that Schumer interrupted her. He mm-hmm. should have clearly seen that she had it. Yeah. Because she did, and she was calm, and she was, I thought, so credible in the meeting. Because, you know, Schumer, like, kept Schumer was doing what Trump was doing in his way, right? Let me let me play to the cameras here. Uh, let me be the more dominant force in this meeting. Let me make this all about politics. Nancy Pelosi was there to talk about a budget. Like she mm-hmm. stayed on message in such a disciplined way. I hated reading characterizations that the three of them were yelling at each other. She did not yell. She was incredibly measured, but totally strong. And as someone who has, you know, never been a huge Nancy Pelosi fan, I couldn't have been more impressed with how she handled herself in that meeting. And I feel like if you didn't see that distinction, this is a great moment to think about the interactions you have in business with women in your life. Because what Nancy Pelosi went through in that meeting is what women handle constantly in businesses and organizations. It was such a classic setup of how meetings feel for women, I think. And I just, bravo, Nancy Pelosi. Beautifully done. I was thinking a lot about how I have traditionally felt about Nancy Pelosi. And I think the most generous description I can give is sort of neutral. I was happy that she was a female Speaker of House. I knew she was a powerhouse fundraiser. And I don't think that I ever fully grappled with how difficult that job is, how well she does it, because so much of any any flap she has is what gets blown. Oh, well, they ha- we have to pass it so people can read it. That kind of crap. Like, that's what gets blown up, and that's what comes to the press. And for her to have been, like I said, negotiating this leadership and then to go into that meeting and handle it the way she did, I am viewing her with fresh eyes, I think. I'm seeing her successes and the way she negotiates a difficult power dynamic so incredibly well. And I think I'm just becoming, I I have a new appreciation for her. And I keep thinking about a part of Rebecca Traster's book in Good and Mad, where she says that we sort of aggrandize and hero worship women, particularly when they don't have a lot of power. So we love Maxine Waters and we love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But the reality is, is that neither of them, particularly when they're seeing the spike in their popularity, had a lot of power because they're in the minority. And so to see her not only succeeding and growing in popularity at the moment where she is gaining power as a woman in politics is really something to take a moment and recognize and appreciate. 
That's so good. And I think the other thing that she's setting a model for that is applicable outside of politics again is transitional leadership. Mm-hmm. Being willing to say without being defensive at all, yes, I am aging and someone else is going to need to do this job. And we need to recognize the importance of that. And also, I still bring a lot of value to the table. New folks bring value. I bring value. Let's all work together. Let's come up with a plan that we all agree to. And let's keep moving forward. But I think what's so brilliant about how she's handled that whole transitional thing is she used it so expertly in this negotiation for power. It's not like she immediately came out, which I would have been my instinct, to come out and say, I know, guys, I'm not going to be there forever. Of course, I'll limit myself. No, no, no. First, she came out and said, oh, I, she just used the word transitional. And everybody was like, oh, and that like that picked some people off from her rebellion. <laughs> and then when she couldn't and then they kept saying, like, she might do this, she might do this. And then when she couldn't quite get there, she said, OK. Let's let's talk about the negotiation. And she said, I'll do it because it's not really even true. They, they've set up this compromise in which they're term limited to four years and leadership that that affects Clyburn and Cindy Hoyer as well. She said, I'll do it even if it passes because it's not 100 percent sure this thing that they've negotiated is even going to pass the caucus. I just think the way she's like kind of used that when she needed it to overcome a hump, to pick off a few more of the rebellion, I just... I watch her in awe. I have watched her these last few weeks just in complete and total awe. So I want to talk about a type of leadership that I'm not in awe of right now. (laughs) So many good examples right now. Yes. Which is what happened with the Farm Bill this week. I have strong feelings about the Farm Bill for many reasons, and we are going to go into detail about that on Tuesday. Today, I want to share that the Farm Bill passed, but barely, because Paul Ryan, and it really is fair to put this at Paul Ryan's feet from all of the reporting that I've read and just how this process works through the House Rules Committee. Paul Ryan inserted a provision into the Farm Bill that blocked a vote in the House of Representatives on Congress's powers in the War Powers Act to consider a resolution on Yemen. Mm. On Wednesday, the Senate started to debate on the United States' role in the war in Yemen. And if you'll remember, we've talked about this a number of times. There's a civil war happening in Yemen. It has become a proxy for lots of conflict within the Middle East. And Saudi Arabia has claimed that it has a strong interest in the civil war in Yemen because of Iran's power. And everyone has behaved in an incredibly brutal way in this war. It it has created a humanitarian crisis. People are starving. A school bus full of children was bombed earlier this year. And we focus in on that story because of the horrific details. But the truth is civilians are dying every single day in Yemen Mm -hmm. at the hands of actors that have nothing to do with their country and its future in any kind of direct way that I think would feel meaningful to the civilians who are losing their lives every day. And so the United States is tangentially involved in this war. We have trained Saudi soldiers. We've provided equipment. We've made the bombs that are being dropped there. And because of the pretty clear evidence and confidence in which the CIA has expressed that Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, was integrally involved in the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. The Senate has been finally motivated to take up a measure that Mike Lee and Chris Murphy have been working on for over a year to say, we need to get out of Yemen. And 
Mitch McConnell opposed that measure, mm. ostensibly because he believes that it picks a fight with the executive branch over our power in the world that Yemen is not a good test case for. I think that it's true that whether we are at war within the meaning of the War Powers Act in Yemen is an interesting and important question. And I think it's true that if Congress can exercise its authority under the War Powers Act in Yemen, there are probably lots of places in the world that we're at war Mm -hmm. that require congressional authorization. And I am for that debate. I think that is a very important debate. I think we need to head on in a legal way talk about what it means to be at war here in 2018. But they don't want to do that right now. And so it looks to be poised to pass in the Senate, but it will not get a vote in the House this year if it does because of Paul Ryan's maneuver tucked into the farm bill, which is about agriculture and supplemental nutrition assistance programs. And I'm sick about it. I have been watching this pattern in a lot of my reading about Congress over the last two years. You see it in the write-up about John Boehner, where the leadership, there's movement among members of Congress, often bipartisan movement among members of Congress, and the leadership kills it. You saw it in the Daily's reporting on the Criminal Justice Act. You see it when Barbara Lee finally, finally gets bipartisan participation to move her revocation of war authorization out of committee. Leadership comes in and kills it without even talking to her or her or her Republican co-workers. And it is infuriating. I don't think it's Congress we're so mad at for being so polarized. Often, I think it's leadership who care more about their party caucus than the country. And it's disgusting. And I don't really know how to hold them responsible because I think it's such a insider baseball conversation, unfortunately. But that's what happens. They get together. That that happened with the immigration bill. You had bipartisan support. You had all these members of Congress saying, we want to do something on immigration. What does the party do? They they either delay it till it's dead or they kill it through parliamentarian maneuvers and it's it's infuriating it makes me so angry that congress can't do its job because party leadership is too busy protecting their caucus and not doing what's right for the country yeah it's like party leadership believes that the leadership position is just to maintain the majority and nothing else yep yep for what to what end you know yep oh it makes me so mad finally Before we talk about the Equal Rights Amendment, which I'm very excited about, I just wanted to get your thoughts, Sarah, on the Michael Cohen sentence. If you don't know, in the Southern District of New York, Michael Cohen has been sentenced to three years in prison for his role in facilitating payments to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. And I think an interesting bit of information to come out of that ordeal is Michael Cohen's reflection that working in the Trump organization was like being part of a cult. Mm. And that he got caught up in that cult around Donald Trump and the paparazzi and the money and the celebrity of all of it, and that that was his real mistake. I cannot imagine how anyone currently working for this administration or for Donald Trump could see Michael Cohen and what happened to him and think, why am I being loyal to a person who could destroy my life? Like, Michael Cohen made choices. Look, he's an adult man. But 
to me, you see this person who was so indelibly caught up in the web of Donald Trump and his businesses and his political pursuits and how willing Donald Trump is to cut him loose, let his life be destroyed. And like, why, if you were working for him in any capacity, would you think, of course, I'll be next? I don't even think he would come to his own children's defense, to be honest with you. He requires such loyalty and is completely unwilling to give it in exchange. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Even John Kelly, like, what did John Kelly just get out of that, honestly? I think that we practice in many aspects of our lives watering down the meaning of everything. Mm. And so you get with a Trump-like figure at a much smaller level right? Before there's any talk of him being the president. And you say, well, he's got some bad qualities, but he has some good ones too. And everybody's making a lot of money and it's kind of fun and it's not that big of a deal. And then it becomes a bigger deal and you still tell yourself it's still not that big of a deal and it's going well. And I don't really have a duty to speak out here. And even if I did speak out, it wouldn't do any good. It's going to roll along. So I might as well roll with it as long as I can. And I just think that we do this and we do it in tiny ways to the point that I can see how Michael Cohen ended up where he ended up. I can see why Michael Cohen did the things that he did. It's not an excuse. And I think he should be held accountable. And I'm sorry for his family that he's going to be held accountable in a pretty dramatic way. But I get how he got there. I get how someone could who knows Michael Cohen could say this is a really good person who got caught up in a really bad situation. Because I think we're all surrounded by really good people who just think that what's happening is just happening, right? They're not active participants in it. And they could make a different choice, but what difference would that make anyway? And and I think that it's just led to this super passive culture that we're living in in the United States and that Michael Cohen is just a really sad example of that. One of the fundamental beliefs of my life is that you do not prevent yourself from being caught up in truly bad behavior by saying those people are bad and I'm not. You do that by saying I could end up there too. How do I prevent that? Yes. I believe that so fundamentally, I don't know if I just learned about the Milgram experiment where the people in authority just said the experiment must continue and regular old people were shocking people (laughs) or believed they were shocking people to great degrees of pain. And maybe I just learned about that at a a young, impressionable age. And I thought, oh, yeah, we'll all do it. So if we are all capable of that, how do I make sure that I have ideas and values and processes in place to prevent myself from falling trapped to that? Because I think what happens, particularly if you're a person like Michael Cohen, is it's like sunk cost, but not actual economic costs. It's like psychological costs. If I've already made this sacrifice and this compromise of my personal values, then I have to tell myself I did it for a really good reason, which is to protect this person or to make this money or to continue the growth of this organization or of this political candidate. If I've already done it and I did it for, I know I did it for a really good reason, then, you know, the ends justify the means and I have to continue to make those compromising choices so that every compromising choice I've made up until this point wasn't for nothing. You know, I think that's what happens. It's just this domino effect. And you just keep doing it and you keep doing it because if you have to stop and acknowledge everything I've done up to this point was unethical and wrong, that's really, really difficult. 
It's the moral version of sunk costs, mm-hmm. right? I'm in this deep and I've just got to, I've got to write it out. Yep. We were talking before we started recording. There's a high school not far from my house that has had four threats in a couple of days. And the last threat was from a student who admitted later that she just wanted a day off. And it, you know, so she kind of hopped on Snapchat and did the thing that other people were doing. And so our social media pages are filled with screenshots from Snapchat and discussion about how great the police are doing and this whole movement to arm teachers and parents talking about how the parents of these kids should be arrested too. And there's just all of this conversation. And I feel like what's missing is, okay, what does this mean about what we're teaching our kids as parents? Mm -hmm. Because for kids using gun violence to facilitate any kind of objective for different kids means we have a cultural problem and that is our responsibility. As adults in this community, that is our responsibility. But I think Michael Cohen is a a great related example of how rare it is for anyone to say, this is really my responsibility. Yep. And my responsibility is not limited to my children and making a decision about whether I send my children to school today or not because I'm scared. My responsibility is much broader than that, and it is to care for people in a communal way. I think you talked about the formative experience in your life, Sarah. I think my formative experience has been hearing the story of my dad deciding to get out of banking because he was in banking at a time when he was having to repossess family farms. And it was legal and it was contractually appropriate and there was nothing ethically wrong even with what he was doing, but he did not want to do that work. And it's helped me at many points throughout my career think, is this worth it or not? Even if it's the right business decision, is it worth it or not? And I just think if Michael Cohen had that moment and that kind of example, he probably wouldn't have ended up where he is and... I want us to all be thinking more about that. I know that I have opportunities to do better in that way. And I know I have opportunities to teach my children better in that way. Agreed. Next up, we are going to talk with Katie Hornung about the campaign to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment in Virginia. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special, and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. 
It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. We are very excited to be joined today by Katie Hornung, Emily Zimmerman, one of our listeners, who Sarah and I actually got to meet at an event in Virginia earlier this year, recommended that we have a conversation with Katie about an initiative that Emily is really heavily involved in, which is the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment in Virginia. Katie, tell everybody a little bit about yourself before we jump into the campaign. I am probably the least likely campaign coordinator I feel there ever was. Um, by training, I have a CPA and I'm a software coder, and I, but I'm a mom. I'm a homeschool mom, and one of my daughters was really geared up on correcting this historical oversight in our Constitution. And so I told her we could follow the issue and check it out a little, get involved. And one thing leads to another and fast forward a couple of years. And suddenly the woman who'd been running the campaign for a couple of years here in Virginia, we call the women who've been doing this a long time. I call them the marathoners and I'm more of a sprinter. And so in June, she said, all right, Katie, you're the one in charge. (laughs) I said, oh, I was going to have a summer off with my kids. (laughs) but uh, it's been it's been really great, wonderful learning experience. Definitely pulling on lots of different, you know, soft skills, hard skills, every skill we've got to to get this campaign off the ground. Tell people who don't know why this is a historical oversight, why it's been such a marathon. I I was really surprised as I started doing some research in preparation for this conversation, and I think this has somehow gotten lost. And it's really important work that you're doing. Can I just say, I'm a women's studies minor. My reaction shouldn't have been, the ERA is still a thing? This is great. That sh- I should have known better. Yeah, well, women weren't written into the Constitution back when it was written. And in fact, apparently Ben Franklin brought a number of Cherokee leaders to the Constitutional Convention. And their first comment when they walked in the room was, where are your women? Mm-hmm. And 
And, you know, and we had Abigail Adams saying, you know, remember the ladies, um, but it, you know, it is what it is. And that is just how it rolled out at the time. And when the 14th amendment was written, it was not intended to include gender equality. And a lot of people who like to say, we don't need the equal rights amendment, they point to the 14th amendment. However, if the 14th amendment had included gender equality, we wouldn't have needed the 19th amendment to give women the right to vote. We do have intermediate scrutiny under the 14th Amendment for gender discrimination cases, but the other, you know, race, religion, and country of origin discrimination all receive strict scrutiny under the 14th Amendment. So many people really focused on equality and just really wanting that to move forward for women and men alike. Um, You know, it's not in the Constitution. It never was in the Constitution. We actually have justices on both sides of the aisle. We have Justice Ginsburg saying, I'd really like to open the Constitution and show my granddaughters right here where they're at. And then we also have Justice Scalia saying, you know, the, the Constitution does not say that you can't discriminate based on sex. So we have agreement from both sides of the justices. And, you know, we as a nation need to correct this historical oversight. And if you're not a lawyer, the difference between intermediate and strict scrutiny might not be compelling in how it sounds. It's a very big difference. It can be outcome determinative in cases, Mm -hmm. what level of scrutiny a court is applying and examining the ruling of a lower court. So just for all you non-lawyers out there, trust me when I tell you that that matters a lot. Also, fun fact, nobody else is intermediate but us. So that's not frustrating at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the um, the Equal Rights Amendment, when it came out in the 70s, came out to the states and was, you know, passed with very quick succession by 35 of the states. And it wasn't getting to the 38 that it needed. And so they extended the deadline once and they extended it from a seven-year deadline to a 10-year deadline. And that deadline came and went and they hadn't finished off the 38 states. And so, you know, basically I think a lot of very brokenhearted women just, you know, walked away. They needed to probably recover a little bit emotionally. And then they turned their sights to fixing through legislation to bring more equality to the table. So they, they really then at that point turned to, you know, we saw things like Title IX and you saw, at least here in Virginia, um, in the early 80s, women prior to about 1983, if you um, if your husband was working and you were not working, you were simply a fiduciary agent on his account. It was his money. It was not a jointly held account. And so that didn't change here in Virginia till 1983. So, you know, the women who had, had been working on ERA shifted, pivoted, worked on legislation, And then along comes the 1990s, and we get the Madison Amendment added into the Constitution. And it's called the Madison Amendment because it was proposed by James Madison, and it took over 200 years to get fully ratified. And in 1990s, we added that as number 27 to our Constitution. And suddenly the women all said, well, wait a minute, 200 years ratification period. How about us? So the number of constitutional attorneys started taking a look at the issue again. And in 2016, you saw the American Bar Association pass a resolution encouraging every state bar to do whatever it takes to get the Equal Rights Amendment added into the Constitution. And in 2017, Nevada ratified. And in 2018, Illinois ratified, which leaves us one state short of what's called the three-state solution. And so Virginia is poised to be that state. Well, I have to think that your prospects are incredibly good considering the amazing class of women you elected at the last election who we've interviewed many on this show. So what is the, where are you at in the process in Virginia and what do you feel like your prospects are? 
So this past session was what's called a long session. And during our long session, which goes kind of January through March, um, we achieved a bipartisan majority in both the House and the Senate as co-patrons, not just a promise to vote for it, but true patronage of the resolution. Um, So going into this next session, it'll be a short session. It's 45 days, starts on January 9th. And going into this next session, assuming we don't lose any support, we know we've gained some support in the interim. um, As long as we can get a vote on the full House and the full Senate floors, we should be able to be the 38th state to ratify. Do you have a commitment to get it to the floor? Well, I think right now, for sure, until the Republicans have caucused and had a significant decision and discussion together, um, they are not saying, I mean, we're hearing little rumors, but they have not said, yes, we're going to make sure it gets the floor in this way. We we haven't heard that. We're just mostly heard rumor at this point that that things are looking favorable. Um, The Wazen Center for Public Policy at the Christopher Newport University here in Virginia released polling stats on December 5th, and they were polling across all of the top issues for this next General Assembly uh, legislative session and polling at the top of the pile at 81% support was ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. And it's, I think it's impressive. I mean, this is more my finance background, but I think it's impressive because it pulled ahead of um, a tax cut, which pulled at 75%. And it pulled ahead of Amazon moving headquarters here to Virginia, which pulled at 68%. So equality is polling ahead of economics. And I actually think that speaks to the human condition. You know, quality is one of our most basic held, like we all want to be respected and we all want to be treated equally. um, And that we hold that in higher esteem than almost anything else. So the culture is in such a different place than the first time states were looking at ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. And one of the things that kept states from getting to that threshold for ratification was this movement from conservative women about concerns about the draft and all of the ways that this was sort of rethinking the role of women in society. I'm wondering if there are modern arguments that you're confronting with the Equal Rights Amendment. I'm specifically thinking of transgender issues. Like, what what's the new conversation around the concerns about the ERA? There's the conversation that they have freely, and then I think there are conversations in the background. And amongst the conversations that are held freely, they keep saying, deadline, deadline, deadline. Oh, we just can't do it. Um, If you get below that layer, you'll hear the draft is actually still a very big one. Um, You'll also hear the conflation of the issue with abortion that, you know, the ERA is nothing but a vote for abortion. And therefore, yep. And so so, confused by that. Well, we have we've taken a look at the opposition's kind of argument on that one, and they are significantly mischaracterizing some cases. So we, you know, we've put a a section on our website dedicated to kind of debunking the fake news. And um, out under background opposition, you could see all of the details that they're putting out there. Um, They are, it's a, it's a, base level of fear-mongering, I think, is really what's getting put out there. Um, but we have, I mean, un- under the more amusing things we're hearing is it will cause toplessness <laughs> all across ah, America, that ah, women will be topless. <laughs> right, right. So, um, you know, we're just hearing a lot of, we're hearing a lot of that um, is, is most of what we hear. So what's the response? Talk us through the draft concern. So on the draft in particular, um, you know, back in the 70s, the comment would have been, oh, women will have to be in combat um, 
or women can be drafted. You would have both um, pieces in play. And these days, women are in combat. They are serving on our front lines. And um, so the, the conversation around that is, number one, uh, Congress has always had the authority to draft anybody. And in at the end of World War II, just days before World War II ended, they were preparing a draft of of women as nurses, because that's how they served in that era. So I don't think any of us should naively believe that women would not be drafted when we are serving in every location in the military. Mm. And in in fact, the Pentagon, um, October of 2017, recommended that women begin signing up for the selective service. So, you know, it, pro- social progress happens whether or not we ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy Filtered Shower Head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy Filtered Shower Head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. 
Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. So we talked about this as a partisan issue a little bit. You have done a bus tour of Virginia on a bipartisan basis. I know that Delegate Jennifer Carol Foy, who is someone we've interviewed on the show and and think a lot of, was part of that. But you have a Republican senator involved in this campaign as well. Can you talk about how you secured that bipartisan support and, and what's the case that he's making to his colleagues and constituents? So last session in our Senate, we have 40 senators, um, and last session we had support um, from four out of the 21 Republicans. And when everything was kind of going down in flames in the rules um, committee last session, there was a conversation between two of the senators. And um, I think the the Republican, the Democrat who was carrying it at the time kind of looked over at our new chief patron for this next session. And somehow conversation between the two of them, it, that's where that came to be. Um, and he happens to be my senator. I'm, I happen to be lucky enough to be represented by you know, somebody who's going to take a strong stand for equality. And I certainly appreciate that with my daughters. Um, We have worked very hard to make sure that we are an aggressively nonpartisan campaign, that equality is for everyone. We as a country cannot afford for equality to be something that one party wants and not the other party. We need everybody always working for equality. Um, so that's that's one of my big taglines. Equality is for everyone. We should all be working for equality. So, um, and we call it nonpartisan because, you know, we frequently get into this back and forth between Democrats and Republicans and everything's bipartisan or whatever. Um, we really, you know, we have people who identify as Green Party. We have people who identify as Libertarians and equality is for everybody. So we, we call it an aggressively nonpartisan campaign for that reason. So let's say that Virginia ratifies, then what happens? Our attorney general, I believe, would notify the archivist that we had ratified. And at that point, it will be up to the archivist whether or not uh, an action is taken there. And no matter what happens, I would personally predict plenty of lawyers. (laughs) I would imagine that a significant challenge in this campaign is that there are so many very specific legal issues. So how did the bus tour go and how are your outreach efforts going with people who get lost in some of the language around this? You know, we have a lot of information on our website and we've tried to make it um, just constituent friendly. Not everybody is a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. Um, we've tried to really boil down the legal talking points into understandable bullet points. And so we have a whole FAQ section dedicated to most of the frequently asked questions, whether it's about a rescission or a deadline or a toplessness or whatever the issue transgender is actually one of our FAQs. Um, So we have tried to um, address every typical comment or question we're hearing, whether it's from a legislator or from uh, just a Virginian, um, making sure that all those talking points are out there. We're we're not trying to hold anything back. Our website is completely dedicated to empowering all of Virginia to get educated on every piece, you know, that they have an interest in getting educated on. Um, we, for the legislators, we have a, kind of the next step up that includes case citations and such. Um, that is being vetted currently and will be um, handed over to our chief patrons in the next couple of weeks. 
So what can our listeners do if they want to support your efforts or learn more about what you're doing? So our website is chock full of information and that's varatifyera.org. Right now we have a petition. We are aiming at 20,000 signatures to be delivered by January 9th. And so we encourage anybody and everybody to send this to all of your friends in Virginia or sign it, friends, neighbors, if you happen to live in Virginia. Um, And that's varatifyera.org slash petition. Um, And so those are kind of our two big entrance points on the petition. There is an option to opt in to a newsletter. We send it out about once a week. Once General Assembly comes around, we'll start sending it out daily uh, just because I think things are going to move very fast with a 45-day session. Well, Katie, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for spending time here with us. And I hope that you hear from lots of our listeners and build even more good momentum and energy around this effort. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you all of you for joining us for another episode of Pantsuit Politics. We will be back in your ears on Tuesday talking about the budget and bills that Congress has to pass before the government shuts down. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. And thanks for making us sound better and smarter, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our production assistant, which means we could not live without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you so much, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help make the show better. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Cherry Haas, Sarah's husband Nicholas Holland, and my husband Chad Silvers. Learn more about our live events that we're involved in and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with us and members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.